Let me show you, let me give you um, some prerequisites to making the transition as it relates to this tachometer. So I need to clear a little room here um, to illustrate a couple things on the tachometer as it relates to the ultimate. We've got to pick up some speed here. The first thing, that these are, these are prerequisites, but I've, I've kind of alluded to them and maybe mentioned them, but I, I want to illustrate them so you catch it. But we have, first of all, and we're, tomorrow we're going to spend the four hours that God's given us on discipleship. But, and the second, right here, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. But this is, what's important about this is that we have to have the 85% rule going here. The, what I modeled over here. You can't leave that table unless they're at least 85% of you. And they'll gain the other 15% over the next 12 months. And ideally, they'd be smarter or better than you even because of your discipleship. But the, we, we, there's no sense moving if you don't have that and you don't have that at least in their teams. That this team here is 85% of them. So that's a prerequisite. Another prerequisite is the depth of teams. How deep you go. And I can't give you that formula because I don't know what you, how many arrows you got and what they consist of. Some arrows are not that complex, that not that difficult to do, don't need that much depth, and other, others do, depending on what God's told you to do, how sophisticated it is, how complex it is, how interdependent on other departments it is. So I can't give you that formula. All I'm saying is that you need depth of teams. You certainly need the A team and the B team. Then how much further down you go would be dependent on what God's assigned to you. And not everything needs to have as deep a level of competency as other things. But the depth of teams, and by that I mean the depth of, co of core competency, those seven competencies. And I wanted to walk you through the comp some more competencies that you would need at, at the next level. And I don't know that I'm going to have time to do that, and maybe we can do it tomorrow when we talk about discipleship. I'll, I'll do my best. But depth of teams, depth of core competency. And so everybody is torqued. Everybody's efficient and accelerating and responsive and torqued to produce God's mandates. Teams, deep, down, teams. And only you would know whether the teams are deep enough. Or if you come to the implementation trainings, then you can ask those that have been through it. And they can give you some counsel. Or I'll do that when I come to the various partner implementation trainings, the partner forums, the advanced trainings. I'll be happy to help you with that. We could talk about a particular situation you have. It's a smaller group. It's just CEOs and their brides, and we, or husbands, excuse me, and, and we, we, we help you. It's to help you meet, meet you at your point of need. That's what they're for. So, but depth of teams, so number one is the 85% rule, number two is the depth of teams, and then a completed leadership pipeline that is really pumping out leaders. Because you may have depth of teams, but you're going to need more. You're going to need more teams because God's going to give you new things to do. And if God gives you another site, then you're going to have to send teams over there, and then who's going to replace them? Are you with me? So you've got you to gotta be pumping out leaders, and it, continually, you can't settle in and say, oh, well, we're doing, you know, we got enough now. No, because you're just looking at today or what you need tomorrow or next month or maybe even out of next year, but God's... So we need 
a leadership pipeline that is pumping out faster than we've ever pumped leaders. Don't settle. And then we need an engine. This and this, the engine here. We need to, we, you've got to have an engine in place. Now these are somewhat interrelated. You got 85% competency, you got teams deep, and you got a pipeline and an engine, and, and they, they're all interrelated. But there's no sense in even considering doing anything until you've got those things in place. Now last time in the product, in the three days that we did in Global 10, we went over the progression that you would need, the, the discipleship progression here, and all the steps that are here along the way. That, and actually, the ones that are here to get you this far. And then, when you are able to accomplish those, and all of those are in place, and you're doing that, with, you get the 85% competency level down two teams, one to the other, and you build teams in an engine, then you can move on if you're doing it well. But we went, we covered this. This is what I had, my, these are my notes from last time. We went through all of this. I'm not going to repeat it, but it's in, it's in the product. It'll be in the product, and I'm going to tell you you have an opportunity to now purchase. And we also talked about the need for generalists and the silo. You can't, silos, the corporate world calls them silos. These are specialists, and they become more competent in their specialty, but they don't have the capability of leading anybody because they don't know how to lead. You haven't modeled it. You haven't replicated leadership in them. They don't know. You haven't shown them how to do this. You haven't given them an opportunity to do this. You haven't held them accountable to do this. You haven't evaluated them and coached and taught and trained and mentored them to do this, so they can't do it. But we need core competency, and we need generalists who can what? Lead anything. And we covered that last time. I talked to you about uh, how to turn a silo into a generalist. So we talked about generalists. We talked about compounding generalists. We talked about targeting. And we talked about stretch enrichment exercises that you give them to help them become generalists faster and, and compounding generalists faster. It's, it's, it's going to be in the extension, as the picture on your table shows, and it's going to be an extension of the executive resource collection. So it's the next volume here, Ultimate CEO. And then the next volume will be what we did last year for three days and what I'm going to do tomorrow for a half a day. And they will sit right here on your shelf as part of the executive collection. So we went through this last time, and I talked to you about this. Now let me just tell you, why, why do we need generalists? He hit a $5 billion ceiling. They said, what you're doing is not discipling your people or training and developing your people. And he said, you're right, I don't have leaders. They said, you need leaders. And he said, you're right, I don't. I, what do I have? Specialists. I hire people like me, merchants. People who know how to go to the Orient and go to Europe and see the fashion forecast, go to the Orient and get the stuff cheap, then bring it to the U.S., calculate the turns on the inventory, and pump it out to the through the distribution center out to the stores and do the turns so we don't have a lot of inventory. We keep bringing it. They know how to do that. They're specialists in that. They're unbelievable. They're lights out. They don't know how to lead anybody. That's why he didn't have any leaders. And he hit a $5 billion plateau when you run out of leaders. So we have to have, if God's going to keep adding, you can't just keep adding. Every arrow has another specialist. And you got 15, 20, 30 people reporting to you. Doesn't work. So we need generalists, people who can lead anything. Because they know how to lead. See, if, if God gives you five things to do, and you got five people sitting around the table with you, everybody's got one thing, boy, that's really sweet, until he gives you two to six. And somebody has to have two. Now somebody has to be able to lead something out of their specialty. Then when he gives you 25 things, 
they each have five. And then they have a team under them, and each of the team members have one. So they can still be specialists for a season until he gives you 26. Then this guy's got six, and somebody down here has to have two. And that's how it works. And God keeps adding more arrows, and you've got to have more generalists. Okay. And we talk, it's in the product. We talked about that last time. We also talked about the ultimate ultimatums, building a succession. We did talk about generalists. I just mentioned that. We talked about the discipleship progression. I mentioned that. And a bunch of other things. They're all going to be in the next volume. In the thing that's face up on your table. Core competencies. I'm going to jump over these. And I put a note into Mars folder. Uh, this is the note. I'll put this in tomorrow's folder, I'll try to get to it. Look, I, I had all this planned out perfectly by four o'clock, but all these breaks, you know. <laughs> this one too. I do want to do this. And I don't think it was when we did Ultimate, but I, I may have done this one, one other time, but I, I want to show you. I want to illustrate something. Maybe I can do it here. Without what I just said, here, I'm talking to you about leverage. I want you to see this. It gets etched into your, into your spirit. Here's your team now. And as you're teaching your team and discipling your team, the weight of the team until you get them up to speed is on you. And so here's you. And you're pulling your team along. And particularly those of you that are just starting out and gonna take these things and the product and go begin to initiate your discipleship. But the weight is still heavily on you because you're pulling your team along and they're learning. But when we start to progress and when we get to the point where we can make a transition, I want you to see how that works. And if I can do this uh, quickly, I will. But here now we have the same pulley. And here's you still pulling. But then here's the team under you. And because they've been discipled, This may come close, okay? Just cut me a little slack, okay? But what you've got now is, oh, this one has to get connected too, but you've got leverage. If, if this were a real weight, you know, you, you, you couldn't lift a thousand pound block of lead here by yourself. You couldn't do it even if you had one pulley. You couldn't do it, but you could if you had the thing rigged with a series of pulleys done right. That's, that's what I want you to see. When you build up the strength of this team, that team, and then there, they are connected to others, you can do, you could lift that thousand just like this. Because this all may sound like, wow, that's wacko. I mean, who, we can't do it. Yes, you can. You just have to have strength under you. You have to have a system under you that leverages you. Okay, how does the job description differ? You know, what do you do when you're up here as opposed to what you will be doing here? It's the same thing, but at a different level. So it's this, still this. But, and with this, with the spiritual part. But what do, you, what do I mean by what, what would be different, for example? Is, is this all right? Is, every, is there anybody confused at a higher level about more important things? Or are we doing all right? Hang with us. Provide direction. So your direction is more forward. Several of you said this is great. 
You give me a whole bigger vision. You, you're, you're, you're challenging me to think much bigger than I've settled into right now. And so an expanded vision versus only what we need to do to keep pace. Right now you're trying to keep pace, trying to, trying to keep up with the demands till you get that leverage built, till you build that leverage. Then you are having new envisionments, new entrances to things, new opportunities like you heard here last night. So your, vi your direction is the, the, the uh, skill level's the same, the description is the same, it's providing direction, but it's at a much higher level. And what does that mean? It's more strategic. It's much more strategic than it is today. Because today, your, your, your challenges are teaching them and making it through the day, the week, or the year. And then you expand it. I, some of these pastors, I know personally, from being their coach and teacher, trainer, mentor, they, they were working on, they didn't have a plan. I mean, they had some good ideas. I mean, they had some things they were working on. But then they built a, they learned how to strategically plan, and they planned for one year. And then very quickly, they started to plan for five years. And then some have a 10-year plan, far more strategic. So in the chair, the second chair over there, your thinking is far more strategic, your direction is far more strategic, and the more day-to-day -day direction to keep us moving the day-to-day, -day, like I said, with the general partner back here and the limited partner here, they're working day-to-day -day with direction to make sure that this year's goals get accomplished. And we're, we're getting a head start on the next two or three years. But you're thinking strategically further out. And that you have to do that because you have, you can't be just, well, how can I say that? <clears throat> You have to be thinking about what the ministry is going to need or your corporation is going to need when we're up here. Today, back here, you need to be thinking about that. Or, or here, you're thinking about what lies ahead, what's coming. What are they going to need? What are the potential gaps that we're going to... In order to accomplish that, what do we have to start doing today? You're going to have a Bible college... You're going to translate into 38 languages. You need to raise millions of dollars to do that. Well, we don't just get that done this year. We have to plan that. And then what are, what are our people going to need? What resources are we going to need? Strategically, how are we going to pull that off? Are you with me? Okay. So the direction is, the job's the same, but it's at a whole different level of strategic thinking planning and you have to have time to think about those things you can't just be busy running 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 like many of you are now and then you know just okay what are we gonna what are we doing here it's you have to have time to think many of these I've said what sir and with all due respect when do you think when was the last time you thought I I, I don't mean you know I don't mean like, you know, how to get to work, you know, and, or think about tomorrow, but, or what, you, no. When was the last time, look, you have an open door policy, but right now it's shut because I'm thinking. See, that, that feels like, that thinking feels like a waste of time because you're adrenaline junkies like me. And so, we, you know, if, if we're not sweating and moving and going, you know, it's waste time. No. You have to calm down and have time to think. And when you do, it pays huge dividends. But it'll be hard on you. It'll be hard. So you need to make a change, too. Number two, obtain plans, ideas, and recommendations. Well, the level of recommendations, plans, and ideas are at a whole different level. For example, when you first sat in this chair, these chairs would bring you the plans. The first time you got the plans from these chairs, 
they put the plans out here on the table and they said, here, pastor, this is what my people came up with. And you say, well, this, who came up with this? This isn't any good. This doesn't fit. And then they realized that they're, oh, they're supposed to take ownership of the plants that the people, you know, they just turn stuff in. So that's the first step. You tell them, wait a minute, guys. When the plans come up from your team, you approve them. Then they come to me. Don't submit anything to me that you haven't approved. But they, you know, you and you're still the dumping ground here. Oh, I give you all the stuff and you figure it out. No, so, but then the, a whole nother level is when they come to you with the plans and they tell you all these plans are great, but I'm concerned about just this and this, and you don't even have to review them. But they do. What I did was I said, the plans are all approved. They all accomplish your direction. These will all accomplish the direction that you gave. I have no concerns about any of these achieving what you want, except for these three. And this one I'm concerned about, and I need your input. This one here doesn't match up. And so this is what I'm recommending. Do you agree that's a, and it's real simple. But initially, you know, you're going through reams of all these teams and stuff. No, this team approves what this team did, which approved what that team did. All right, am I, you're all looking at me like you don't want to be in ministry any longer, right? <laughs> are, are we okay? We're doing all right? In other words, what this team down here comes up with gets approved by this person. And they submit it to this person who then submits it here. And when you, but when you get a president or a CEO sitting in your chair, then they're doing all that, and they're just coming with, to you with the things that they're most concerned about would not line up with the direction that you've given. So that you're not sitting there for weeks on end going through all this. Are you understanding me? Okay. Number three, commissioning the work. Now, a lot of this stuff you can get started on immediately. You can, you know, you're building to get to that transition point. Number three, con commissioning the work here. You're commissioning far less. And it's certainly far less, you're getting rid of the macro. First, you get rid of the maintenance. No maintenance comes to this table. We don't deal with maintenance here. You solve the maintenance stuff. You come here with strategic growth. What did pastors say? We have building teams. They have, they, they have a building team, growth teams. That's what, this is a growth meeting. This is to build. God's a builder and a larger and expander and innovator. God's not real interested in maintenance. We have to make sure that we got our bases covered, but that's the thinking, that's what these people do. But this meeting is about building, about getting this stuff done here. Once we establish something that we built, and we have the pleasant and precious riches, then we, we do make sure that it stays established. That's what they do. And eventually, that's what these teams do. They keep it established. Why? Because if we don't, we lose it. We start over. And that happens in too many ministries. You started something last year, then you moved to something else, and that goes to heck in a handbasket. Right? Yeah, I know. I've seen it. So you establish what you build, and it, you must keep it established so that we can do what? Build upon it. Build upon what we've established. And that's what these teams downline are doing. Were, they don't just come up with, here's a strategic plan, and when they get that, no, they're building all the time. They're working simultaneously, continuing to build what we established, build upon what we established. So you, you build an impact university, just to take something you heard last night. You, you have impact university. Well, we established it, and it's accredited and whatever else he said last night about it. But now we have to build upon it. We have to build it. We've got to get 
people Velcroed to the wall here. You know, we, we want to build this thing. We want to build its effectiveness. We got to have new courses and new instructors and we're building. But there are people working on that all the time. If everything has to funnel past you to build something, we're not going to be building very much. So what are we commissioning? We're commissioning more strategic stuff. More, you're involved now in more macro. And here's a, here's a way to determine whether you're making progress or not. I love this. Looks really <laughs> professional, doesn't it? I'm going to hurt somebody with this. It, it, how do you know if you're making progress? If you're, if you're moving up the trajectory, how do you know? Real simple. When yesterday's micro becomes tomorrow's micro. When yesterday's macro, excuse me, when yesterday's macro becomes tomorrow's micro for you. When what was so important for you to be involved in and make a decision on yesterday is now delegated to someone else. In our, what we're talking about now to this person and this team. And then eventually the same with this team. What was macro to them last week or last year is now somebody else's macro. It's micro to them. They don't deal with that anymore. Why? What, what would contribute to that? Begins with D. Discipleship. Yes. That's how you know you're discipling well. That's how you know you're making progress. That's how you know that you're moving up the trajectory because yesterday's macro becomes tomorrow's micro. For you, for your key people, your A-team, and it just moves down. That's how you know you're building depth of competency and capacity in your ministry. So the focus is on a much bigger picture. So the decisions like, should we shoot down that airplane and kill the people on it, or should we let the thing hit some people on the ground and kill them. What are, we, what are we going to do here? That's the macro kind of stuff that your ministry will face in the future. Big ticket stuff. And you have to have the time with God, the intimacy with God, the time to think, and the, and the feel good. You know, you're prayed up. You're strong. You're confident. You've got, you're undergirded with Aaron's and hers that are holding up your hand. And you can make that kind of decision with comfort. Number four, provide success. It's at a whole different level, too. As I said earlier already, you're the overseer now. You're, the, you're still going to be discipling. You're still going to be bringing correction to this person. And, and correction, this person will be bringing it to the team. And things you don't, that you don't think line up strategically, things that don't line up in terms of righteousness, you're still going to be bringing correction. But it's going to be at a whole higher level. A whole higher level. I liked what uh, uh, one of the things uh, that uh, from, came out of the Super Bowl and some of the bios, biographies or whatever that they did. Uh, I just remember... One guy that played for the Patriots years ago, he was a, he was a freshman fullback or, or an NFL rookie fullback. And he said, man, I was shocked day one. I was the 53rd player on the team in terms of, you know, where I was drafted or where I fit in. He said, I was the 53rd player on the team. And I remember my first meeting and Belichick chewed out Brady, stood him up in front of the group and shoot him out in front of everybody. He said, every year starts anew. Every year, he said, man, I'm 53 and this guy's, you know, already, he's going to be first, first draw on the Hall of Fame and he's getting his butt chewed. I better shape up. But see, it ne the, the discipleship never ends. We still, he's trying to perfect somebody that's pretty good. So you're trying to, you're going to continue to perfect people, 
but you must have more competence, and they know that you built a trust relationship. You, they know how much you love them, that every time you bring correction, it's a form of love, that you care about them, you're helping them reach their destiny, be all that they can be for Christ. But if we're weak with the few people we have now at that level, it won't work very well. And, and the best form of delegation is what? I mean, the f best form of discipleship is what? What I just said, delegation. Yeah, delegation, giving people an opportunity to learn and to grow. So what are you doing? You're delegating more. You're delegating more and more, getting it off your plate and onto them so that they can learn and grow. It's not punishment. It's love, respect, honor. Dignity. And then number five, you obtain evaluation. Not at the level, again, that you're obtaining it today. They're obtaining the evaluation, and the only thing you're hearing about is the things that they're concerned and that you're fixing, but that would be of concern to you. And you make that clear over time, and I don't need to know that anymore either. But you're, they're going to give you an evaluation. But... Your life will be more. That's why it's so important for you to learn in here, in the volume, well, in here and there. Volume three, there's, there's uh, how, how, to, how to obtain presentations, how to teach people how to give you presentations. So they give you an executive summary. They tell you what it is they're about to ask for approval from. Then they're going to give you background on it. Then they're going to walk you, I'm not going to teach on that now, but... The art of presentations is important. You, you will find, they will be presenting to you. And they will be bringing things that you didn't even ask for. They'll be bringing things to you, and you're not going to be here regularly. How frequently, that's going to be your call. But there'll be times when you'll swoop in. There'll be times when you will have special meetings. There'll be time, it'll be up to whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you. But you're, they're going to be updating you. They're, they're going to be caring about you and making sure that you are, and they want to show you the exciting new things that they've done. They don't want, they're not going to be telling you like today how hard it is to do their job. You know, oh, you wouldn't believe how hard it was to get Fred to do anything. You know, I had to call him four times. You don't need to know that. You need to know what did we get done today, and you're going to be at a whole other level of updating, reporting, presentations on key matters, on emerging targets. They're going to tell you that we've discovered something. It's, it's, it's hindering us now, but it, what we've figured out how we're going to make it an opportunity, and we want to share that with you. That's what you're going to do. Boy, won't that be edifying? So the oversight and most of what happens is going to happen there with the leader you, you cultivated, with the leader that you developed, with the leader that you discipled. So updating, reporting, presentations on key matters and emerging targets and what the plan is to avoid the emerging problem or the gap. And so you're collectively here then, you're the evaluator, the overseer, I said that earlier, the protector of the system, the protector of God's work. So you're sitting there listening to this. You're listening to the Holy Spirit. You get an unction. You question it. We'll cover that tomorrow. You're making sure the culture, you're the ultimate enforcer, ultimate enforcer. You're the ultimate terminator, too. They understand. Just like Brady. You know, you had a good year last year, but this is a new season. And as you know, the board fires the CEO if they don't do it. And 20% of them, I told you, get fired because they failed to recognize a problem, a fact, an emerging target, or they failed to prioritize it, or they fail to mobilize it. 
emerging target. What would be an example? The one I use all the time, Kodak. Kodak. I was with, in Boston with Pastor Del Turco uh, six years ago, maybe. Six, seven years ago, I stepped out of the Marriott Hotel where he has me stay, had me stay, and I, there's the USA Today laying right there, and I see the headline. You, uh, Kodak, moving out of the digital market and uh, then the subhead is laying off 30,000 employees. That was six years ago. How long have you known about digital cameras? A lot more than six years. You've had some, you've had them for more than that. And they're moving into the digital market a little late. A little late to recognize that digital is going to eat the lunch of film, right? They've lost three CEOs. The stock is worth less than a dollar. In fact, they just went bankrupt. They're selling all of their secrets and all of their patents. Just They tried to keep from going bankrupt. And they couldn't sell them fast enough or for enough money. They had no leverage because, oh, why are we buying it now? It's a fire sale next week. Let them go bankrupt. That's what happens. And the, and the, other, the other reason CEOs are fired... The CEO sitting there at the table here is because they are they so poorly handle their own poorly performing subordinates. They so poorly handle their poorly uh, poorly performing subordinates. So if if this guy here can't if he operates in timidity, like I said yesterday when Pastor Eppert asked that question last year. If, if he's operating in timidity, timidity like perhaps you used to be, then he may not last in this chair. So we need to do a really good job developing. Okay, next. I left my watch. What, is that right? 2.11? Okay. So you have skip-level meetings. You can jump in when it's convenient for you. Or you can set up a prescribed schedule. And I'll get to the executive council here in a minute. But you, 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 can have, you should have scheduled meetings. But then there can be other opportunities. And I'll, I'll illustrate in a minute. You will have one-on-ones with this individual. And I'll explain that in, in a minute. Okay, next would be structure quickly. I'm going to share with you, um, because I sat in the chair at the table here as the executive director of the mega ministry that I was assigned to, and then here was the pastor I reported to. And I divided the ministry up, because when I, when I took over there, I didn't have five chairs around the table. There were 19 chairs. Did, who did their homework assignment last night? Exodus. Oh, let's do it this way. Who didn't do it? Thank you. Okay, the first five hands, I would want you to be on my team. I'd want you to be sitting at the table with me. You say, why do you want those reprobates around the table? Yeah. Why do I want them around the table? Well, yeah, they're honest. Let's start with honesty. We can coach for change, but we need honesty. We need integrity and character in the people that you're going to have sitting around that table. Otherwise, this is just a charade. It's a game. It's a joke. Get, purge that stuff. That's leaven, and a little of that will leaven the whole joint. Okay, so I had 19 direct reports. I don't draw them like boxes or funnels. I mean, I would draw them like this, 19 people hanging on me. Not one of them could lead anybody else. Took forever to get a leader to lead someone else. Okay, so, but eventually, after two and a half years, I got it carved down into four areas, four chairs sitting around my table. One person led the local church and everything that's comprised in the local church which you know and you'll know more about as God keeps adding. Then this one was media. 
This was the uh, Breakthrough TV. This was the uh, crusade, Crusades around the world, the product, the product fulfillment, the Breakthrough Prayer Line that, that Carol uh, was the director of. She had 1,100 prayer warriors and 75 team captains, and she was part of the media. Then education. Education was, was uh, the Bible College, the Christian Academy, the, uh, pro, the, the uh, provost of the Bible College, the administrator of the academy, and they reported to this person that reported to me. And then this was uh, the support group, the CFO that happened to be uh, the CFO, he was a, a sharp executive, a very successful up-and-coming executive with a large household name company, and we hired him, and he led, he provide the, provided the services that each of these needed, from accounting, information systems, uh, maintenance, new construction, and we were building all the time. And all of that support he built. So these were the four sitting around me. The guy that I told you has a 600,000 square foot. They've, they've, that's the largest facility in that region of their nation. And they rent it out to car expos and big conventions. And they're making money off of their building. But how, what does he have, for example? How, how, one meeting. And he's sitting in the back chair there. It, ha it just so happens, this, this is not a formula, it just so happens that this is the CFO too. But he, had a, he, he ran his own business, and now a company, now he's a CFO, and he's leading this table. And who's sitting around this table? Well, here, I need my glasses. Here's, here's the pastor. He's the chairman. He's out in the bush building churches for a month and a half. He's not even here anymore. I mean, he's, he, he's gone for a month and a half. He's in the States right now. He's been here for a month. And this guy's running the show. And sitting around the table with this guy is the director of ministry who's running everything that's ministerial. He's got it all. Well, he's not working by himself. So he's got a team, got a host of teams under him and teams under them that are running every aspect of the ministry. Then in this chair is the director of media. So he's got the TV both, both uh, broadcasts, and all that is entailed there and the th stuff I mentioned yes yesterday. Here is the director, well, this is media, and there, here's the director of broadcast services. Huge job. Here is the director of education, and any education entity like that uh, Beyond Adventure thing I told you, like their uh, Bible college, their... their uh, the Bible Institute it is, uh, is here. And then you hear, over here is the director of leisure services, the guy who runs all those spas and, and resorts and everything. And then, and then here's the guy that's handling all their real estate and all of their investments and all that, and they're all sitting around the table. Are you getting this? So that's, there's a couple helpful hints on... on um, organization or structure but it but the principal thing that I'm trying to teach you is that you you must get to the point where you can run the entire operation essentially from one meeting <clears throat> and then when this transition takes place you've got somebody that you've replicated yourself into that will do the same Then, we have 10 minutes, right? Somebody? Okay, okay. Um, let's, let's do it here, or here. So, here, let, let, me, let me show you some new things to envision. 
Here is your team over there at the table. I don't know what you might call it, but the most call it the ELT, the Executive Leadership Team. I would just recommend you call people leaders if they are, rather than staff. So, leader, so here's the leader, and you, most of you in this room, are leading the Executive Leadership Team here, like this. Then the next level of wisdom and a number here, have this in place, and it, you'll know when you need to have it. And if you don't know, ask them when they realized they needed to have it. But this is your EC, your executive council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, which were providing you the highest level of C-O-U-N-C-I-L, council, executive council. Why do we need that? Well, as your ministry grows and expands and the volume and the weight of decisions increase, you may very rapidly outstrip the capability of this team in terms of making those kind of decisions, like what kind of decisions? Financial decisions, Amen. budgetary decisions, capital expenditure decisions. And you're gonna get into, you know, not just $15,000 decisions or $50,000 decisions, but a million and five million. Pastor Jose, you blow me away, sir, where are you? Yeah, you, what do you hate, tables? What's, you're so used to working in that place. You used to, yet he showed me the building that he's building. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever seen. So why did I mention that? Um, yeah. How many millions is that thing? Do you mind telling us? Do you, don't eight? Yeah. You don't want to make that decision by yourself. <laughs> Proverbs will tell you that is stupid. <laughs> so you are still the chairman of this. This is not a vote any more than this was a vote. But you're going to get the highest level council here from your executive council. And look, I'm not knocking anybody, but it's, it's, not always, it's more often than not the case that this team doesn't have that level of financial acumen and budgetary acumen and had experience with expenditures that you need to get the wisest council and then what? It's not a vote. You what? You make the final decision. But you're making the decision with all the counsel you can get. And like I said earlier, the pa a pastor here once, I'll never forget it, but he said, it's so freeing. Thank God you taught me that. It's so freeing that I get this counsel. I still have to make the decision. The weight is still on me, but boy, is it a lot easier. Boy, can I sleep nights. So executive, and so what are they... Very quickly, the agenda would be finances, budget, capital expenditures, all that kind of compensation increases for these people. Administrative matters, legal matters, HR matters, policies and procedure matters, those types of things. Not everything, but the major stuff. Ministry, number three, uh, Roman numeral three, perhaps. It would be... Um, new ministry venture. Should we start Impact University? Can we afford to do that right now? Is this a good time? Should we start, should we do the multi-site thing? Should we do, should we get, should we, we've raised this much money. It's not a million yet or whatever we need, a million and a half, whatever we need. But should we start? Should we bite the bullet and go? You need that. Education, media, You're gonna, should we spend a million bucks to upgrade our 
our editing suite and our, all of our electronics or not? It's not like, should we buy another computer anymore? That was big one time. But now we're on a whole different level. So you've got to have a whole different level of wisdom. Missions. And it, you, the list goes on. You, you know. But this is where you get the highest level of wisdom. And as you grow now and expand, and these decisions become uh, more strategic and more significant, then you'll need this. And you will certainly need this when you're the chairman here, and you, here's your president sitting at the table with the, with the team, the executive leadership team. You're the chairman of the EC. And then I'm going to... I'm going to show you a couple other things. We have to take a break, and then we'll come back. But there will be times, and I told you this may sound contradictory, but there will be times when you and this person will have one-on-ones. Yep. And i got a yup down front here. But there would be times when my pastor would come in and want to talk about something, want to bounce something off of me, want to, he had a, had a concern about something. Hey, let, can we just chat? Let's go grab a bite to eat. Or he's been out for two weeks. What's going on? And I'd give him an update, and you better, this guy better be prepared to give him, you an update. You know, I give him, I got everything right here, ready, at any minute. He calls on the phone, wants to have lunch, whatever. Anytime he asks, I'm ready to give him, what? A report, an update, an evaluation. Tell him. So there will be times. And wh why did you say yup, Pastor? What, what, what? Yeah, he'll have one-on-one -on -one with Tom Stocking, his executive director, and, and it'll be for the reason of what? What are some of the reasons you do that? What you, just, what you just said, I'd have something stirring in my spirit that I needed to know about. I needed you bounce to it off of I'd bounce uh, it this off. person oh, first. Yeah, yeah we yeah, talk about we... it, then I'd bounce it off Tom. Yeah. Or Tom and I, actually Tom and I have a meeting scheduled uh, on Monday mornings, and he comes in with an agenda, things that he needs to talk to me about, or, run, or I have some, sometimes we have nothing. But yet I'll bounce something off of him, and then he'll turn and bounce it off me. And he makes lists of things, just like you just said. He makes lists of things that he thinks I need to know about or things that he needs to tell me about. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about that. And he doesn't bring a litany of stuff and keep you there for three hours. You just, no. If you ask a question, he's prepared to answer it, but he, know, he knows what you need to know. That's correct. Thank you. And more than I know. Yeah, he, he needs to. <laughs> Okay, and now one other thing. There'll be times that are not here or here, but you will want to have a special meeting because you want to be updated on something very strategic that you're concerned about, and you want a presentation from the right people. And sometimes it's not from this team, but you want people at this level or whatever, but you, you are concerned about certain things. So you have, those are acceptable time. They're, they're, they're not the norm, but they are strategic. And there's something very strategic, and you have to assure yourself, or maybe in your time with God, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you better have, you better check. Right? Are you with me? You better check. So, yeah, and this can be impromptu. I mean, it can be a pop quiz kind of thing. Okay, tomorrow, want to get together? I want, or let's get together, and then you tell them what the subject is. Or you tell them in advance so they can come and present. But if you're concerned about it, and then they're not doing it, and you want to find out the level of honesty, then I've had to have a few where you just have a pop quiz. You know, you just have a pop presentation. Okay, report into me about such and such. And then you find out who's smoking here or not real fast. Okay, it's uh, break time. May I add 
May I add something while we're on this Please. subject? Please, yes. Okay. Uh, our ELT consists of myself and Pastor Brad and Pastor Barr and Pastor Michael, Pastor Joey, and Tom Stocking. At our ELT meeting, of course, Tom creates the agenda for me, and we meet every other Wednesday because they're all paid staff, so we're able to do that. If you have an ELT that's all volunteers, I suggest if you, have, if you don't have a staff and you have all volunteers, then I suggest that you create an executive leadership team out of those volunteers. And then if you have to meet once a month, but you go ahead and put it on your schedule now and say Monday nights, the first Monday night of every month, we're going to have an executive leadership team meeting. And at that meeting, you come in and you have your agenda and you go over different things. Our executive committee, uh, we meet once a month. We go over all of our budgets. We go over all of our finances. We go over the trends. We look at where things are. Are we trending up? Are we trending down? At this meeting is where I receive my counsel from Tom Stockton, our executive administrator, and Tom Cartier, our chief financial officer, where I receive from them the counsel that I need like when we built this building, we built the second floor here. Our desire was to pay cash for it. Our desire was to pay cash for the parking lot out front and to buy the nine acres of land next door. And all of that was a million and some odd thousand dollars. We paid cash for that. But we were able to start that because of the projections that were done by them. I had no clue how to do it. But they said, if you can start da-da-da-da. That came here. Now, when we started Impact University, when we started our Dream Center downtown, and, and when we, uh, and Pastor Brad, who's our creative arts uh, pastor, he's also over our master's plan, which is our building campaign that we have to, where we have an ongoing campaign to where we're constantly having money over and above tithes and offerings to do the things like I just said do. Pastor Brad comes in every month to the executive committee to make a presentation to us to keep us posted as to where we are on the uh, master's plan. When we were uh, implementing and starting Impact University, Pastor Barr would come in every month and uh, make the updates on where we were, what we needed to do. He now comes in every month to let us know where we stand on Impact University. Pastor Joey is starting to come in now because now our Dream Center is up and running and we'll have another satellite campus there. And Pastor Joey will come into this committee once a month to give us an update. That's over and above uh, this meeting right here. At this meeting, we deal with, we still look at the street strategic plans and uh, we have gone to another level, but I would never have gone to this level had I not had someone like Tom Stocking and someone like Pastor Barr, Pastor Brad, Pastor Michael, and Pastor Joey, who all are looking at strategic planning and looking at the 10 years ahead. And so the people are there in your congregation. I would have never offered or even talked to Tom Stocking about coming to work for the church had it not been for Dr. Atkins. And he pushed me and talked to me. And I said, this man, he's an executive. Why would he want to come to work for the church? And, uh, but uh, I went out to dinner with Tom and his wife. And I said, Tom, would you ever consider coming to work for the church? And he said, well, if it was God, I would. My second question was, how much money do you make? Hallelujah. And he told me. And I said, well, if you consider it, you're going to take a drastic pay cut. But he said, if it's God, we'll do it. Hallelujah. And he did, and he's still here. Praise God. Amen. I didn't mean to go so stay far right, there. but uh, You did, and stay right here. This is the kind of thing that you can learn in the implementation trainings, the interim implementation trainings from people that have done it. That what, what you just heard is priceless. Take advantage of this. As a partner, you can come here. You can go to New Haven. You can go to use, You can go all these places, go on the website, but take advantage of this kind of wisdom. The other thing is, yes, he asked me, and I'm going to tell you something about what he just said, the illustration of Tom Stocking. There are a lot of other Dean Radkeys and Tom Stockings around. They want to serve God. They would like to help you, but you got to let them in. And you don't let them in because you're afraid, you know, well, we can't afford them. That's God's, theirs and God's decision. You ask them, like he just did, like he did. And then... You give them an opportunity. You say, well, I can't, they'll see that I don't know all that corporate stuff, and I, you know, they'll see that I'm making a lot of mistakes. Let me help you. 
God picked you. He didn't pick me to pastor your ministry or his. He didn't pick Tom Stocking to pastor here. He picked Tom Stocking to help him and me to help Pastor Parsley. He picked us. But you got to give these guys a chance. You got to let them in. And they were so valuable. And many times we're afraid to ask them because truly, you know, they're a lot smarter than I am. Tom and Tom will be in an executive committee meeting, and I say this a lot, they'll use words I don't even know what they mean. And, uh, and I know that they're talking about our benefit, and they're talking about us and where we're headed, but I'll have to, I'm in agreement, but can you tell me what y'all just said? Hallelujah. And, and explain it to me, praise God. But the neat thing is, is Pastor Barr, Pastor Joey, Pastor Michael, Pastor Brad, and Tom, all of them are smarter than I am. And he wanted but they're me to, on my team. <laughs> and he wanted me to, he called me. He said, Would, next time you come, will you meet with Tom Stocking? Because I'm going to take him on as my executive director or whatever the title was at the time. And, and, I, and he said, can we have dinner together? And, you know, you can lay out for him all what he needs to do for me. I said, we don't need dinner. I could tell him in, you know, one minute. He said, no, let, we better have, let's have dinner. I said, oh, so we're having dinner? He said, okay, Dr. Ackie, tell him what it is he needs to be doing for me. I said, everything but preach. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>